part four. I've been talking about better together and just talking about some things about being a family in a local church. You know, it's, it's quite a challenge to have a local church today because of the culture that has been created in America because of all of the internet uh, availability of so many things. A lot of people are untying from any particular local church and they're they're thinking that they can do life spiritually online only and they're finding out that they're coming up void with respect to friendships with respect to people that can encourage them and and the truth is the Lord really can only help us when we give when we give to others when we bless others when we get involved in someone's life other than our own how many know we set ourselves up for God to bless us so just works that way and I can't encourage you enough to get in a local church be a part of a local church if you're watching on on Facebook or on our online feed and I just encourage you be a part a viable part of a local church there's nothing like it there's nothing that can minister to you like being part of a church family how many agree with that so I just encourage you to be a part um so I've got in my notes, I'm just starting out tonight in a time of great individualism. God wants us to become conscious that we're a body of believers that create a place for him to work. And that's cross-grained uh, to the atmosphere we have today. So here's some questions. Are you willing to work with us? It's a question for me and you. Are you willing to work with us as a, as a body of believers, as a family together? Are you willing? So, so here's the next one. Are you willing for the sake of your spiritual life? What's this? To deny yourself and commit to the family of a local church and become involved in helping and not just consuming. You know what you find out, really, really, the people that really grow spiritually and don't just coast, they are the ones that have made a choice. I'm not just going to consume. I'm going to get involved and help someone else. How many hear me? And that's really, really important. You know, we've got a, a lot of people. It's really sad. You know, if I've lived long enough, I have met people who have uh, special needs. And, and, um, and I've met uh, adults who act like children. It's really sad to see someone like that. And, you know, your heart goes out to them because, you know, life could be better for them. But they have debilitated in some way. Isn't that sad? Did you know spiritually you can be that way? You know, if you've got somebody that's 25 but they're acting like a three-year-old, your heart goes out, doesn't it? But you know, in the family of God, if you're 25 and you're still acting like a three-year-old, that's pitiful. How many hear me? Or an adolescent, or acting like a toddler, or an adolescent. Or how many know we should grow, we should mature? There's some things that stun our growth. And we make choices as an individual to not reach out, to not get involved, to not commit you know, it stunts our spiritual growth and it hinders us. How many know that? So, so this series is just about growing spiritually. It's called Better Together. This is part four. Um, and let me also say something about the local church. There's, uh, there's something about being involved in a church where, where people are not like you and things are done that you don't like that's really healthy. Y'all didn't get that. There's something about being somewhere involved in a group of people and people don't do life the way you do they don't think the way you do they don't make the decisions you would make they don't communicate the way you do and you can't figure out why in the world they're acting that way and it aggravates you and rubs you that's actually good for you right 
And in a local church, listen, I'm, I'm going to do things that, that you disagree with, that you don't understand. Uh, I'll do things at times and, and say things and make decisions. You say, well, that's something wrong with that. And see, that's a choice you have to make. Do you trust God enough in me? Do you trust God enough in our leadership to flow with it even though you don't understand? And those are growing times. You know, I got thinking about you, you know, uh, studies indicate, I do a lot of exercising, and studies have indicated they, as they've done autopsies on people who are, uh, are athletes and who really vigorously work out their bodies, the bone density is much, much, much more than it would be if they were a uh, couch potato. You get it? So, so the idea of, of, of exercise and, and pushing and moving. It's really healthy for your physical body. How many know, how many know your heart's stronger if you, if you just do some brisk walking every day, right? So the idea is when you're stressed, when you do things that are uncomfortable, you may not like to do, how many know it's good for you physically? It's also good for you spiritually. You know, vegetation, I like vegetation. I keep up with my yard, God help my yard. Um, but, you know, even with vegetation, when, there's, when there's, there's warmth, when there's heat like we've had this summer, it causes the roots of, of plants to go down deeper in the ground. And I've got a watering system for my yard. And they say, if you've got a watering said, don't water it every day because you'll keep all the water at the surface of the ground. And the roots won't go down and it'll actually harm the, harm the, the uh, grass and such uh, during, during really hot times because uh, they won't grow the root system deep. How many know spiritually it's the same way when you... When you're involved in a body of people that aren't like you, that don't do things the way you do, it's really healthy for you spiritually because it moves us and pushes us to love and to respond in kindness when we don't feel like it. And it pushes us to go against the grain of our own nature. Isn't that good? I thought you'd just really like that. You're so quiet. So... Uh, you know, when things don't go our way, really, that's a, that's a big test, and it shows where we are. So uh, we've, we've ministered on these themes the last three times. Remember that God is body conscious. We talked about that the first time. We together, number two, create an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere created in every, in every uh, place that you go by, the people that are present, an atmosphere in the home, atmosphere at Victory Church created by you, us together. And uh, uh, number three, we've said don't let yourself be used like a cancer cell. A cancer cell in a body is a, is a cell that's been damaged and it fights against the body that it's in and it's actually destroying itself. Don't be used like a cancer cell in a local church, hurting, dividing, hindering. You know, be a healthy, be a healthy cell as it were. Number four, the way we treat each other is the way we treat Jesus himself. The way I treat my spouse Susan is the way I'm treating Jesus. The way you treat these people in this room is the way you're treating Jesus and you know he takes that fairly personally think act and speak unity we've talked about that allow love to help you overlook the flaws and misdeeds of others and then last time uh, that I shared on this theme I talked about being careful of of personal bitter root judgments everybody comes to church with a page uh, with a page of life that they're on they've been affected and infected by certain things and it causes certain response patterns in them if people don't respond the way that you think they should just realize they've got a past just like you and you know what the truth is and I thought about this a lot I heard Chip Judge say this that that you know all of us are created equal but not all of us have an equal start in life 
And so for you to maintain some semblance of normalcy in your life, maybe that's okay for you, but for another person to maintain what they would say is a semblance of just being an, an average person, they have to do a lot more work because of the background they've had and what they didn't participate in them when they're young and what happened to them in their younger years. So how many know we need to give each other a lot of grace and space? You don't know what the person sitting beside you has been through today, this past week, this past year. All of us need encouragement, and that's why we need to minister encouragement one to another. Is that true? So uh, today, uh, tonight's title is Watch Your Mouth. Yeah, how many know words are powerful? Just read, you know these things. Proverbs 18, 21, Amplified, Old Testament, Death and Life are in the power of the tongue, and those who indulge in it or in life shall eat the fruit of it. Uh, James 3, 2, this is very familiar, practical half-brother of Jesus. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Is that true? For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes, a grand, that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Small words can produce large results. Is that what he's saying? The tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It, it set your whole life on fire. It can, for it's set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless, evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So, so Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. So how many know if you want to conquer yourself, the first thing that we all need to conquer is our mouth? How many would agree with that? You've got to rein that thing in. Um, there's a, a, a huge problem in our culture right now, and I've said this uh, the last while uh, several times, um, and it's exacerbated by the media, by Facebook, by uh, social apps, and that is for some reason today in our culture, people seem to have the freedom to criticize accuse, malign, defame, and say things that don't need to be said about other people. Now, you know, I don't talk about politics here, but I think it's really sad that people say and do what they say and do to Donald Trump. Whether you like him or not is not the issue. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, we ought to be better than what we're doing and how we're acting as a nation. And if we don't get better than we are, we can't have the freedoms we've had in our past. The reason that we've been able to live together as a nation of, of lots of different people, lots of different people from different countries with different belief systems and different ways of living is because we've respected one another. And when you lose respect for other people, that doesn't mean you have to, disagree, have to agree with everything they agree with, but you know we need to respect one another. And, and y'all, that has gone down the tubes 
How many hear what I'm saying? And it's really important that we as the church show people how we can get along and show people what it's like for various ethnicities to get along, uh, people who have differences of opinion to love one another. How many know you can still be friends with somebody you disagree with? I mean, we've been that way in our past. We ought to be that way today. And you know what? It's up to the local church and people who know the Lord to really show our culture now the way to go. So... You know, um, walking in love is necessary for a strong walk with God. Jesus said, by this, by this love that I have towards you, speaking of his disciples in John 13, by this love all men will know that you are my disciples. We know we've passed, John said, 1 John three fourteen. we know we've passed from death, spiritual death, to spiritual life because we love one another. Because we love the brother. And he that doesn't love his brother or sister abides in death. So the telltale sign that I walk with God is that I love people when they, even when they don't do loving things. Right? And, and get more pointed because I want to talk about words. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. 1 Corinthians 13, of course, aptly describes the love of God and what its attributes are. I've taught on that a lot in the past, and it's coming up in queue again. I've got a long series on what it looks like to love someone. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 uh, says this, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I did a word study some time ago on that word, bears some translations, in fact, the original language said this, love covers all things in silence. And this word is, the, is really the picture of a roof. It's something that covers. And so a person that walks in love covers instead of exposes the sins of other people. Now, I've thought about that a lot since I've known the Lord all these years, and it's something that God's had to work deeply in me. 1 Corinthians 13, the uh, Amplified New Testament, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. And then the next phrase, it's ever ready to believe the best of every person. This is not in the notes, guys. <laughs> I, 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 I get with God and things happen and you don't have all my notes. That's the way it happens. But love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Now that's something that I've been challenged with in my life and I've told you that before that when I was a young person because I felt badly about me I wanted to dress down everybody else and, and, and you know in my eyes I had to pull them down to my level. How many know you treat others the way you think about yourself? So if you don't think well about yourself you're not, not going to treat others well. You'll find someone that's constantly critical. They have a negative self-image. And if for whatever reason, and you know what? The only way they change that is to change how they think about themselves. That's why when Jesus comes into our lives, how many know he builds us up? He doesn't put us down. He makes us like himself. He's, he's raised us up with him together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Is that good news? No, he says, I'm going to make you one. I'm going to make you just like me. I'm going to give you everything that I am so you can act like I do and so you can treat others the way I treat them. So if you're having problems in your relationships and, and it's a struggle and you're constantly critical, think about yourself. It's probably coming because you don't value yourself 
the way the Lord values you. And I had to deal with that you know, when I first came to the Lord. I was, uh, again, almost 18. And, and I constantly critical, constantly looking for the flaws in other people. And, and I didn't realize how deep it was. And, and, and it started coming out of my mouth. And, and God had to do a big work. I, I came across this scripture where it says, um, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And y'all, I can say, four, almost 42 years later, there's a revolution that happened inside of me. At some point down the journey of life, I was able to turn this negative thing that was in me, that was placed in me that when I was young. And I was literally able, when I look at a person, instead of seeing the flaws, I can look at y'all tonight. And I don't, all I can think of is how sweet you are, how wonderful you are. You're made in the image of God. God's put value in you. He's given you skills. He's, give, he's made you a unique person that's deeply loved by him. And there are things that only you can do and they're people that you only you alone can affect. See, I, now that's like second nature. But when I first started this, that was a struggle. And, and you know, you break a habit by when it comes up saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I spent a lot of time and a lot of years when the thoughts would come up negative about people. The first thought I had was negative. I'm not going to think that way. Love believes the best. Love believes the best of every person. Father, I believe the best of this person, of that person, this person. And I did it over and over. And that's how you break a habit. How many know that's a really good habit to break? If you want life to improve, improve how you feel about yourself because it really affects the way that we treat other people and that so let me talk a little bit about our words i want to get bare to the point here and talk about gossip gossip is produced from a heart that doesn't trust that doesn't understand who it is and it's got to find a way to malign condemn and harm another person the word gossip literally means one who chatters idly or repeats rumors about others or another another definition idle talk gossip is idle talk or rumor especially about the personal or private affairs of others years ago when i was dealing with all of this and 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 thinking negatively of other people Right along with this was my words, and, and I had this experience, and I hadn't known the Lord, but just, a, I don't even know if it was just, I don't even know if I'd known him three weeks, but I was in a circle of friends after a church service in my hometown, and uh, there were Bible school students there. We had a Bible school in the church, and, uh, and in the circle, I said something about someone not present, and it wasn't nice. And when I did that, everybody looked at me like, man, like, you know. And the guy that led me to the Lord grabbed me by the arm and said, come here, Mitch. And his name was Steve. And he said, as long as you live, don't ever do that again. Now, the first thing I wanted to do was pop his jaws. I was upset because he called me out. And that's my pride. And he said, Mitch, you really, you shouldn't do that as a believer. You may have done that in the world, but we don't do that as Christians. That's sin. We should never say something in someone's absence that we won't say to their face. Now, it shamed me, that humiliated me, uh, you could say that hurt me, but that helped me. And I, I was mad at him for a while, yeah, a little while, not, not a few days, a few hours. But God began to deal with me and began to speak to me, Mitch, Steve's right, you need to watch what you say. What he said was right. And then I, as I went through the scriptures, I saw just how right he was. And, and God removed that, that 
gossip thing from my life. And I, I can't tell you how grateful. Am I ever tempted? Well, everybody's tempted. But see, I always remember when I'm tempted and I hear somebody saying something about someone else that's negative, I'm not going to listen. In fact, if you come up to me and talk to me about somebody not here, I'm going to say, you know what? You need to go talk to them about that, not me. If you can hear it and, and be okay with hearing something that should not be said about another person, how many know that's, pro that's a big problem? That shows that you have a problem. If you can listen, that's not, you got something you need to deal with. Proverbs 6, listen to this. There's six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong. And then, then verse 19, Proverbs 6, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. I mean, it's, it's really odd of all of the sins of mankind. This is one that God detests. It's one of the top ones. That is a person who sows discord. Uh, the message paraphrase says, uh, um, a troublemaker in the family. God doesn't like it when we speak in a despairing way of others that aren't in our presence. Psalm 15, listen to this. And Psalm 15 is talking about who can really experience the presence of God in their personal life. And he says this, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill, those who lead blameless lives and do what's right, speak the truth from sincere hearts, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Again, he's talking about who will enjoy, and enjoy the presence of God. It's the people who are blameless, speaking truth from inside, who refuse gossip or refuse to harm their neighbor. He's talking about with words or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. And he goes on, those who lend money without charging interest, who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand firm forever. If you want a life of integrity, how many know we got to learn to control our tongue? I, um, I, uh, uh, Kenneth Hagin gave an illustration, and you can find this in his books, but when I was in Tulsa again, he really had an impact on my life. I started reading his books in 1976 when I first came back to the Lord, and uh, his books had a big impact on me, and I heard him in person give an illustration, and I never forgot it. Several things he said over the years, I never forgot. And one of them was, he was uh, as he was traveling, he had left a church that he had been pastor of for a number of years, and went out to a traveling ministry, traveling from church to church. And he said he was in a pastor's home, and often during that time, this is in the 40s, 50s, he said during that time, the pastors would often have him stay in their home. They had an extra extra bedroom where he could stay and such and they did that because the churches often were small and didn't have the money to have a to rent a hotel room and such so he'd stay in the pastor's home and he said after a church service he was in the in the pastor's home and they were in the kitchen and they were having a you know just a, a you know just some light hors d'oeuvres and such in the in the kitchen and he was sitting there with the pastor and the pastor's uh, one of the pastor's children were sitting there and uh, and while they were talking and you know, eating their food and such, he said, uh, the pastor began to talk about somebody that, uh, in the church in a derogatory way and just, I mean, lambasted their personality and how they were and how they lived and what they were saying and what they were doing. And, and, uh, and he said, Kenneth Hagin said, you know, I, I spoke up to him. In fact, the pastor's son, but his son was also. Ken Jr. was there. His son was there. And their children were there. They're all listening. 
And finally, he spoke and said, uh, sir, and he called the pastor's name, he said, uh, you're not just seeing you not talk that way in front of my son. And in fact, I'd he said this, I'd rather you curse than to say what you're saying because that wouldn't affect my son as much as what you just said would. And the pastor looked at him with a distraught face, of course, but it bore the point home and made a point. And uh, I never forgot that. He said, I'd rather you curse than to say what you just said to someone else. How many know when you say something about a, a person not present to someone, that is forever lodged in that person's mind? Did you know that? And you have to fight to keep that from affecting what you think about that person. Next time we come back and talk about this, I'm going to talk about what Satan did in heaven before he fell. You'll find out some interesting things. As I close tonight with this, you getting something out of this? You're really quiet. A couple of years ago, I shared this same thing, and I've got this book that I've had. This is a newer edition, but uh, when I first came to the Lord, this book changed my life. This was a series. It's by E.W. Kenyon. It's called Signposts on the Road to Success. You can find it online. Actually, they have this in digital form at Amazon, I believe, and I've got it on, in digital form as well. And uh, this was a series of radio broadcasts in the 1930s. And, uh, and it was so popular that... They asked him to put it into book form because the information was so good. E.W. Kenyon uh, died in 1948, I believe, and was a man beyond his years and had an uncanny ability to say a lot with few words that were quite impactful. So this little book, Signposts on the Road to Success, uh, literally has changed my life in a lot of ways. And I started reading, I think I was 19 when I got a hold of this book. And I've read it ever since. I put portions of this book on note cards and, and just read them over and over. I've stuck them on the wall and by my desk when I was a young man, when I was in college, because they so moved my life. But he's got some things about words. Can I share this with you? that are quite poignant, and I believe they're very, very helpful. So he's got, they're very small, and it doesn't take long to read them, but the words will, I mean, just make an impact. So he's got this one chapter. I've got four little sections here. It won't take long. We'll be done in plenty of time. Uh, this first one's called Loose Talking. He's talking about words. He's talking about our mouth, our lips, and what they do. And he says this careless speaking is a vicious habit. When one realizes that his words are the coin of his kingdom, and that his words can be a cursing, a cursing influence or a blessing. He'll learn to value the gift of speech. Control your tongue or it will control you. You'll often hear men or women say, I speak my mind. That's well if you have a good mind. But if your mind is poisoned, it's not good. An idle word spoken may fall into the soil of someone's heart and poison his whole life. What a blessing good conversation is. And what a curse its opposite. Make your tongue a blessing, never a curse. A person is judged by speech. Your words make you a blessing or a curse. Your words may carry a fortune in them. Learn to master your conversation. Isn't that good? And there's another section. He's got another section here. Just a word of warning. And he says this children's lives are largely made up of words the words of their parents and those whom they love and admire. A mother can fill her boy's heart with zeal for an, uh, for an education and for a position in life, or she can, with words, destroy the finest spirit that was ever given to a home. The children are word-made, 
What do I mean? Their lives are made up of words of their parents and loved ones. The wife little appreciates the power of words on her husband's life. When he loses his job, she could scold him and tell him that he's no good. He was whipped before he came home, but then he would be doubly whipped. Instead, she put her arms around him and says, that's all right, dear, you'll get a better position. You're worthy of a better job anyway. He goes out the next morning thrilled by the touch of her lips, and her words have filled him with courage and confidence. He leaves her heart filled with joy and gladness, and she says, what a man God gave me. He says, what a woman you gave me, Lord. They've learned the secret of words. A few devastating words could have filled his mind with confusion, his heart with pain, his eyes with tears. Words give heartache and words give strength and comfort and faith. Let's be careful of the words we use. Don't tell the story that you heard the other day about this man or that woman. Don't let any other ears be poisoned as your ears have been poisoned with it. Isn't that good? Never repeat scandal. Never repeat the calamity things. Let others do the talking about that. Keep your lips for beautiful things, helpful things, comforting things. That's your job. You know, I was at the grocery store a couple of days ago in the evening when I got off work, get some items for Susan. I was standing there waiting at the register and I looked to my left and here was a gossip magazine in bold print, words about a certain you know, public character. And I thought, thats I didn't want to look at it again. It, it, it violated me. Because I've made the decision, I'm not going to talk about the negative. If I can't talk about something that's positive and inspiring, you know what? I don't need to talk. And you know, when I first came to the Lord, I, 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 I got quiet because I found out most of my words were about things I didn't need to say and didn't need to talk about. Have you found that to be true with you? So anyway, getting some out of this? Two more. Now this uh, chapter title dates this book for sure. It's in the 30s. This is just uh, right around 30s, early, uh, just before World War II. The world was a certain way and they had words that we don't use. One of the words he calls this title, we don't use this now, the chronic knocker or the chron- knocker is a term for fault finder. So he says this, nothing hurts a firm more than to have its in, its, in its employ men or women holding important positions who are chronic knockers, who are always finding fault with the business, with the management, with the material they use. Men of this type and women of this type should be eliminated. One man or woman of this kind in a church will wreck the church. One man of that type or woman of that type in a crew uh, on a work in a workplace will cause the entire organization to disintegrate. Chronic knockers, fault finders, spoil an organization and wreck its prospects. Men who talk too much and talk unwisely, and and he says men and he'd be saying women too, are a detriment to any organization. Never knock your firm. That is, don't find fault in front of others. Never knock the goods you're selling because you're selling yourself in every deal. The man who knocks or finds fault in the firm for which he works knocks himself because he's there. If he's not satisfied with it, he should get out and go somewhere else. You know, if you're constantly complaining about the church, find another one. But the problem, you'll complain about that one too because the problem's usually not the church, it's the person, right? Wow. So he says, we have no right to stir up strife and business 
when we're drawing a salary from a firm. We have come to an unhappy place. We've been taught politically to hate the people who have been successful in life, that if a man has gained a position of affluence, he must be bad. That is wrong, and then this dates him as well. Men like Henry Ford, who climbed to the place Uh, to the place they occupy by sheer efficiency and downright honesty. Class hatred's an unfortunate thing. It does not belong in a democracy. It does not belong anywhere. Why should I hate the man or woman who is smarter than I am and who has achieved more than I have? I should honor him or her and thank God that there are men and women of that kind. Class hatred robs a nation of its efficiency. It robs men and women of the pleasure and joy of fellowshipping and working with each other. There should be a notice put up in every factory and store and shop saying, no fault finders are needed. We need boosters, helpers. We need men and women who encourage, not men and women who discourage. Make up your mind that whatever you say will be constructive. Just fault finding for the sake of knocking or fault finding is ignorance gone on a rampage. Isn't that good? Then lastly, y'all getting something out of this? You're quiet. Are y'all awake? Okay, I thought so. I like this one. This is the last one, and we're done with this. This is entitled, Don't Break Me With Words. You read this kind of stuff, y'all, I promise you, it changes how you think. And then it changes how you respond to people and what you... I can't tell you what this has done to my life. I'm not the same person. When I get to heaven and see E.W. Kenyon, I'm going to hug him first. And then he's going to say, why are you hugging me? And I'll tell him because of his book. Don't Break Me With Words is the title of the last one. This is Job's cry to his friends. They came as comforters. They stayed as tormentors. Words heal and words break. Words destroy and words make life as we find it today. Words heal and words make us ill. Words bless us and words curse us. The word I just heard will linger through the day. How little women realize that a biting, stinging word in the morning will rob her husband of efficiency through a whole day. A loving, tender word, a beautiful word, a little prayer word will fill him with music that will lead him on to victory. We need martial music of faith that only our loved ones can give us. How little we have appreciated the tremendous power of words, written words, spoken words, words set to music. A southern officer, and this dates it again, said to a northern friend, had we had your songs, we would have conquered you. A a political speaker said, you won the election because you had better speakers than we. We had more money, but we did not have the words well spoken. You see, men and women, that a little study in words is one of the most valuable assets in a life. Learn how to make words work for you. Learn how to make words burn. Learn to fill words with power that cannot be resisted. Mussolini, and this dates it again, held Italy in his hands by the power of his words. Austria was conquered by Hitler, again it dates it, with words. No powder, no poison, no gas, no bayonets, just words. How we wait for a message made up of words. The secret of advancement in life lies in the ability to say the right kinds of words. My ministry over the air, he says, is a ministry of words. I fill them with love. I take God to fill them 
with himself and so I send them out to bless and cheer mothers your home atmosphere is a product of words your boy failed because wrong words were spoken right words were not spoken why is it that some families grow up so clean and strong fight their way through college and go out in life's fight and win it's because the right kinds of words were spoken in the home words make a boy or girl love an education Words bring a boy or girl to church or keep them away. Think of something of infinite importance and then learn to choose the right words to express it. Then send the words out with pen or tongue. The way we say it has tremendous weight. Every public speaker should make a study of words, the kind of words that count. Then before he leaves his study, he should so charge his mind with God and God's ability that when he stands before the people, that ability will fill his words until people, his people are thrilled. He should make the delivery of words a study and art. He should fill his words with kindness, love. Every man in the sales game should make himself a master of words. Try out words in your own home. See how they work. Fill your lips with lovely words, beautiful words, until men and women will love to meet you, long to hear you speak. Remember, words are apples of gold and network of silver, Proverbs says. Isn't that good? So here's a question. What you doing with your words? What do you do with your words in your home? I, well, Susan and I have four children. And, uh, you know, I guess you'll have to judge. There's someone sitting back here. But, you know, you judge. Judge it just to go talk to my children. And I think you'll find them engaging, kind, uh, respectful, loving. Where did that come from? Because we were that way to them. And we spoke. We weren't perfect at this. But, you know, your home is filled with words. And you know what? We're all a product of what we say. And how about, how many know that our church, Victory Church, this church and the atmosphere that we have is a product of the kinds of conversations we have uh, with one another. It's filled with the atmosphere created by the words we speak. These are deep themes, and I know you're thinking deeply. Let me tell you something as I close. I, I really had to deal with my words when I first came to the Lord, and, and I'm still dealing with my words. I don't think you ever overcome because the temptations are a, a thousand times a day to say and to act on things that you hear around you. But I can tell you that uh, when I first came to the Lord, I remember sitting in my mother's home. I was still living at home. I was taking some Bible school courses. I was still going to college. But I remember I would take my Bible and, and I would flip through the whole book of Proverbs and we didn't have everything we had to have today electronically that makes it easy. And I would go through the book of Proverbs and, and, I, and I, I highlighted in yellow um, the word word, words, lips, speech, all the way through the whole book of Proverbs and I highlighted it in yellow in my King James Bible at the time. And I would go every, almost every day and go through the book of Proverbs and look for those yellow highlighted uh, passages that talked about words. And y'all, over a prolonged period of time, that changed what I did with my own words. So I wanna encourage you, if, you've, if you tend to be a gossip, if you tend to allow your ears to be open to hear things that should not be spoken about another person, if you tend to say negative things about people that aren't with you, if you tend not to be an encourager, but look for the things that aren't right and that's all your voice, you know, you can change that. Love believes the best 
of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And you know what? You may say, well, I don't live that way. You can. In my encouragement, if we work on this, I tell you, that'll change everything about you and life will never be the same. How many want to pursue that? How many believe our culture needs this?